What will you do to unlock innovation? In today's fast-paced world, innovation might not be enough. Tomorrow's pioneers of change will need to be agile, able to adapt, and committed like never before. Your host, Santa Vending, invites you to listen in and join business leaders from around the world as they share their visions for success in our future business challenges. Welcome to Mind Innovation. I'm your host, Sana Vinding, and I'm always excited to learn. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about problem solving and how it's an investment in knowledge. I want to welcome Jamie Flintsball. He's an accomplished entrepreneur, senior executive consulting, and an author with more than 30 years of learning, oriented experience spanning in a range of roles across diverse industries and functions. And the latest book is called People Solve Problems, The Power of Every Person, Every Day, Every Problem. So welcome, Jamie. I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation today because, you know, talking about problem solving, Oh my God, I, I just, I want to learn more and, and I, all the, you know, the listeners as well, then, you know, they, they should learn more about the book, learn more about you. So, so welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, you know, I enjoyed the podcast. I love talking about innovation and, and uh, it's intersection with all of this stuff. Uh, so love, love what you're doing and glad to be here today. Awesome. So, um, so, so why did you write the book? Let's, let's talk okay. about that. Well, you know, so it's, it's been 15 years or more since my last book. And, and so there, there's part of me that knew I just, I, I needed to get to writing again. Um, but, but this particular book really came about as I watched people struggle to get better at problem solving. And, and in many cases, look at the wrong places, uh, look at the wrong places in themselves and their organization and you know not that tools are bad i want to be very clear about that but but that they kept going to oh well which tool and more training and more tools and more templates and let's standardize it and automate it and it's just those weren't the things that were holding them back and been a lot of time coaching over the years and uh so so anytime i write i i kind of write for myself first i it helps me sharpen my viewpoint uh, by forcing myself to articulate something, hopefully in a clear way. Yeah. But kind of, kind of why I wanted, you know, why I wanted to write this is to really hone in on what I thought and and you know what I would coach and teach others in the future by by going through the the discipline process of writing. Yeah. So what are what are some of the importance that you need you know the skill set around having problem solving and i know it's a loaded question because that's so much but but we need to start somewhere so what what is the most important one that you that you will highlight well i think i think the most important one is just framing the problem that you're you're dealing with right people yeah. call it the problem statement and 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 you know almost every problem solving tool has you know a section where we frame the problem yeah but Properly framing the problem, even if it's just an everyday conversation, helps make sure that we works. Everything that we do after that is based on that framing. Yeah. And so, what are we trying to overcome? What are we trying to change? What are, what's what's what gap are we trying to close? So, I uh, I recently in in my uh, I only I only write a newsletter six times a year, but in my January episode, I I wrote about employee engagement, but a, a big part of it was uh, sort of the great resignation, right, which gets lots of attention. 
Yeah. But a lot of people don't frame that problem very well. So almost every company I work with is talking about it, but, oh, I can't hire people. Well, that's, that's, that's one problem. Uh, we're yeah. losing people. Well, losing people to competitors is one thing. Losing people to leaving the workforce is a different problem. Yeah. And, and so on and so forth, right? Lots of ways we can break it down, but just they're stumbling around looking for solutions because they didn't even start by framing the problem. And that, that I think is, you know, one of the most comprehensive skills that's underappreciated. Yeah. I think you also addressed in your book, you're saying, don't be that single person, right? Solving the problem. You're not getting the medal for being that one person. Uh, be that team. Um, and you have, I love your illustrations in the book as well, because it actually shows as well that bringing that team together and work in collaboration and defining that problem someone would actually get you there. Yeah. And, and, and I think if, if nothing else, I'll yeah. say that, let me, let me set the low bar <laughs> is that having a thought partner, right. Even just someone to listen to you think out loud yeah. um, is helpful because it, it just adds a little bit more curiosity and rigor and deliberateness just to have, you know, somebody to talk to about it. And, yeah. and so I, I find that, that to me, that's the low bar. No problem should be just one person. Yeah. And, and so whether it's a thought partner, whether it's a true collaborator, whether it's a coach, whatever it is, it's, it's a, I like to call it a contact team sport. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not just a team sport. It's a contact team sport. Yeah. We've got to, we've got to battle it up, make each other better in the process of problem solving. Yeah. That's a new discipline for the Olympic. No. Um, <laughs> so wouldn't it also help? Because what I see, and I've been in different organizations, is there's like us and them. Suddenly, you know, you have silos, or you get teams split in. Maybe not on purpose, but it's, it's there. So by bringing and, and, and be together and defining that problem, it's, it's eliminating, I, I believe, I want to hear from you, you know, more, in a more healthy way, that is not going to be us and, and them. Yeah, so, you know, an awful lot of organizations I, I, I work with, their biggest problem isn't the market or the customers or regulation. It's, it's themselves, right? They yeah. get in their own way. And, you know, uh, in processes, cutting across boundaries. And, you know, we like to think org design solves that. But, you know, for every org design solution, it creates new problems anyway. So yeah. when, when you pull people together and they truly – Uh, don't just dump solutions on each other, but they, they come together across organizational boundaries. And I don't care if you write it on a piece of paper, write it on a whiteboard, write it on a digital whiteboard like Miro. <laughs> as soon as you sort of have two people that, that used to be battling with each other, now yeah. they're facing the problem. Now the problem is the enemy and we're on the same team. Yeah. And that's a, that's a small, but also massive a psychological shift in that, you know, we're not each other's enemy. We're on the same team trying to get the job done. That problem is the enemy. Let's together find a way through it. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't that touch like, because you learned through your experience as well when you were in it. And then the experience will also hopefully touch how you behave. So if it was a good experience um, and you reflect on it, Um, that can take you these small steps to be that learning organization or that problem-solving organization. Yeah, I, I, I'll go back way, way back in my early, early journey. Is I, I remember any time I 
I'd say facilitate a team. And I don't really do that anymore, but we'd, we'd be in a room with a bunch of posters, putting them up on a wall, looking at a process. And, you know, there's three functions or there's 10 functions. And almost every single time people have these ahas like, oh, I'm making your life harder. I, I wasn't intending to do that. <laughs> oh, that's why you need what you need. I, I yeah. didn't know that. And, and so when you have enough of those experiences, you start to realize maybe everybody else in the company isn't stupid. Maybe everybody else in the company isn't working against you. <laughs> maybe it's just some bad processes getting in the way, some misalignment, miscommunication, all these other yeah. things. And if we fix them, you know, we all end up better. It's not really a, it's not really a, a, a zero sum game. You know, there's, this department's going to win, that department's going to lose. We actually both win if we solve those problems. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, what about um, conflict in, in brainstorming? Um, is that good or bad? Is that something you need? Um, what, what do, how do you look at this? I, I think you need it. And, and so I think it's good. I think it, it, it's, you don't just uh, bring in conflict for the sake of conflict. It has to be managed. It has to be channeled. But, but conflict is how we break through barriers. And the whole idea is, you know, if we're stuck with a problem, if, if we don't know the answer, we have to have some kind of a breakthrough. It doesn't mean we have to uh, have a brand new original answer that nobody in the world has ever had before, but we still need to break loose of an old assumption or, or break through a, a perceived limitation. And, and so in, unless we have a little tension, a little conflict that, that challenges each other to think harder and, and again, break out of our where, how we're stuck, Yeah. And those breakthroughs are, are so much harder. And so yeah. I believe good problem solving uh, should invite conflict. Again, not not disruptive conflict, not people being jerks just for the sake of being jerks. Mm -hmm. but, but let's let's challenge each other and then make each other's thinking better. Yeah, um, I, I think it's an absolutely essential element of problem solving. Yeah, yeah so be better to, together, right? Um, be better together. Yeah. So you're saying it's like the zone as well, because you're also in the, your book saying, and you know, how do you learn, right? You have your comfort zone, you have your learning zone, and then you have your fear zone. So can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. So the idea is, you know, so first, all problem solving is, is really a learning activity, right? If we already knew what we needed to know, yeah. just go do it, right? Just go <laughs> do the thing. It's a task. Yeah. So by definition, you have to be in a learning mindset. Um, When we're in our comfort zone, we're, that's the stuff we already know, right? We already know that, that we're in our comfort zone. We can operate on, you know, we know how to brush our teeth. We don't need to think about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things we can do in our comfort zone. We have to stretch outside of that to get into a learning zone. But you go too far outside your learning zone and it gets scary. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I'm reading a, a biography right now about, about the uh, Wright brothers and the sort of birth of, of man flight. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were, they were very careful. They were kind of like, we don't want to die in our glider because we know that this is going to take a long time to solve. So it wasn't even about their own preservation of life. It was kind of about the mission. So they were very thoughtful about how to not make it too scary, right? How do they go in increments so that it's not so scary? So we have to protect, provide safety and psychological, professional, physical uh, safety so that getting outside our comfort zone isn't so scary. And 
you know, there's a lot of companies that don't, from a cultural standpoint, if you, if you even say the wrong word, everybody looks at you funny, uh, or, you know, you're going to get ostracized, you're going to get ignored, and it gets scary very fast. And in those organizations, there's just no room for learning, no room for, for good collaborative problem solving. Yeah. So how, how it's growing, right? Because the comfort zone, of course, the more you learn, that, that comfort zone will, will get bigger. Um, and your learning zone will also stretch out. So is it an awareness that when you are learning and you know you're exploring and, and learning, everything is just, you know, you're getting a, a bigger and bigger and how you have it in the book is, is you know, you have an illustration of circles. Yeah, and I'll say the other aspect of that is, is continually trying to shrink the comfort zone. And, yeah. and so, yes, the number of things that we know might grow, but, but what do we do with it, right? Do, do we become more ambitious? Do we go after new journeys or new challenges? Yeah. It doesn't always have to be about a job change. It could just be about, uh, you know, working on the next problem, the next breakthrough, the next strategy uh, that, that very quickly makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of it is trying to stay out of the, out of the comfort zone. I would, um, every year I set learning goals for myself. And a lot of it was to keep my, my comfort zone uh, smaller. I, I'd go into uh, new domains or new skills and, and explore it with a true beginner's mindset because yeah. it, some of it was just practicing getting myself out of the comfort zone. Because sometimes, I, you know, I'm doing what I do, I'm doing what I know, I'm doing what I love, and then, and, and then you become, you know, too comfortable. That's just not, yeah. to, not to yeah. eat that too much. And so, uh, so, you know, always very deliberately, you know, force myself to, 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 uh, to get out of the comfort zone. So that's, you know, if, if there's something we can do for ourselves or something leaders have to do for their teams, yeah. keep that comfort zone, that tension in the system so that we continue to challenge ourselves. Yeah, I, I like that because if when I every time, not every day, but when I actually hire into my team, I always ask in the pre before they're hired, right? I ask, you know, what skill set was the last one you learned? And tell me more about it. And what is the new skill set that you really want to learn? And that actually gives you a really good insight of how this person is looking at it and looking at themselves of saying, oh, I know I have a gap here and I will want to be better here. Um, so that's just, I, I love my two questions. So No, and I, I, I'll say I'll share a hiring example from my own perspective. I also like to flip that. Yeah. And, and essentially it's, looking for what they are going to teach me yeah right so so i want i want a, a new hire to shrink my comfort zone yeah because you know they might learn from me and they might be very good at that and that's 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 a key aspect but then i also want them to, to teach me and challenge me and if they're yeah. just going to agree with me all the time and do what i i coach yeah. them to do then then i'm not getting oh you're not getting anywhere into the yeah. out of that hire. yeah no no you're hiring because you have a gap I hope so. But um, what about you? Also, in your book, talk about learner and and to be a no to be a learner and to be a knower. If I could say that, <laughs> um, and you also said that the learner is actually both. Can you explain? You know what what is a learner and and what is a knower? Yeah. So so this is uh, this is probably a, a way in which my my thinking has evolved over the years. And I used to look at oh those those people are knowers and they. They just they just assume they know the answer and they just go forward and implement sort of blindly. 
Yeah. And then learners are always curious and, and open. But the more I look at that, the more I look at the, that premise is that no person is all one or all the other. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if someone woke up and said, let me let me examine a new way to get dressed today or brush my teeth or, you know, I, I mean, find a new route to drive to work today every single day. You, you just get lost and be you'd be noon before you even got any work done. So, so it's it's more about the moment, the decision, the challenge in front of you. I have a decision to make. Am I going to approach that as a knower or a learner? Yeah. I have a problem to solve. I can approach that as a knower or a learner. A strategy to develop a knower or a learner. So, you know, if if you know, I have rules about you know how far my gas gauge on my car has to go down before I, I go to the fuel station, fill it up. And, and part of it is so that I don't have to think about it. I don't want to have to like, oh, let me, let me analyze the last, you know, quarter tank and try to optimize it. No, no, no. If it's anywhere close to a quarter tank and I'm passing a gas station, go ahead and fill it up. Yeah. Now I don't, I don't have to be a learner about how much gas I have. <laughs> I just know her, set that, forget that, you know, brush your teeth, get dressed, all yeah. those other things. So I think it's 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 not it's also not about how many times you make a knower decision yeah. versus a learner decision, how well you make those decisions. Mm. So if you go all the way through a week and say, well, no, no, here's the moment. Here it is on a Wednesday afternoon. And this this is the moment where I have to be super curious. Everything else I could do was just this is the answer. This is the answer. This is the answer. This is the answer. But this moment on Wednesday afternoon that's the goal. That's the moment where I want to be a learner. So it's about making good decisions about when to approach whatever's in front of you yeah. with curiosity and, and pursuit of knowledge and pursuit of insight versus automation and execution and assumptions. And making good decisions differentiates the, the knower moment from the learner moment and that's a that's a key decision that we face every single day yeah oh yeah um it also touched a little bit of, of ownership because you could see a challenge or a problem that you you should go into but in some organizations um maybe you you don't have that culture right to saying oh if i see it oh then i own this problem um so how how do you go about the, the the culture of this ownership and i'm sure it's, it's touching as well transparency the vulnerability and, and the trust that you have it's it's the whole culture so yeah, the, the trust matters a lot that's sort of an underlying ingredient for for a lot of this stuff um, yeah but i don't i don't spend too much time on trust only in the sense that you, you, you can't just wait for trust to happen and then you go do these things. No. You have to do these things in order to build the trust. Um, but ownership is a key part of that. And I, I've been in organizations. I remember one organization I was, I was doing a lot of interviews, meeting a lot of key people, trying to get a sense of the culture and the environment and, 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 and the problems. And everyone was willing to point out the yeah. biggest problem or, or what should be fixed. And they, and they, they'd always say someone should fix that. Um, yeah. Someone should fix that. And it's, it got to the point just for my own amusement, I actually went to their, their HR, you know, people system and looked, searched for somebody and they don't work there. And 
that became a bit of my my speech, if you will. But uh, <laughs> and so it's really easy to kind of go, oh, that someone should fix that. The CEO yeah. should fix that. The business general manager should fix that. And my boss should fix that. And that other team should fix that. But if you see a problem and, you know, at least take some ownership. The ownership doesn't have to mean that you re- you have to resolve it, right? Ownership has to mean that you're going to do something with it. Yeah. You're not going to step over the piece of trash and go, oh, yeah, I guess we do a bad job cleaning up around here. You, you pick it up and you get rid of it. Yeah. If you step over a piece of trash every single day, you might elevate that and share that with somebody who can do something about it. So you can pass ownership from one person to the next. Uh, you can elevate things. You can escalate things. You can share them with others. Uh, you can coach them, mentor them, delegate them, do lots of things. But ownership is about taking the next step, not just seeing a problem and, and looking back and admiring the problem, right? Yeah. And just hoping somebody comes along. And there's a lot of problems that organizations struggle with uh, time, you know, time meeting times, right? I, I, uh, I tend to have 15 minute meetings. Everybody I meet with is like, well, this is great. We should do this in our company. Okay. Well, what's, what's stopping you? Nobody owns standard meeting times. No, that's not anybody's job descriptions, email etiquette. Nobody has that in their, in their job description. And so what, what are you going to do about it? What can you do about it? Are you going to take any ownership over the problem or just sit back and admire it? Yeah. All right. right. Um, we talked about, or you mentioned a little bit earlier about not, you know, that's tools, right? So that's just one, it's one part. Um, and so what, what kind of tools, because it, it, they do help you. So which mm-hmm. one will you recommend um, is, is, is the ones, you know, you're saying, Hey, this is, this is not the best, best one, but I'm sure, sh- I'm sure you have like a prototization saying, Hey, these, these are the good ones. Yeah. And, and uh, I do have a chapter in my book where I kind of outline some, some good aspects of a whole bunch of different uh, tools. And, and, and so I'm going to answer that two ways. Um, you know, my, my favorite's always been A3 problem solving, uh, mostly because it really sort of captures the thinking behind what you've done, how your thinking evolves, and it makes it easy to coach and, and re-examine and learn and iterate. It's also very flexible uh, from a from a structural standpoint, and so you can use it for a strategic problem, a business model problem, a, a, a execution problem, a tiny little tactical problem. It's very flexible in terms of uh, you know how you can utilize it. Yeah. And I'll say the first draft of my book, I, I actually had a three problem solving woven throughout, and. and um, not, not so much in a deliberate way. It's just like, oh, I want to talk about a tool. Let me talk about A3s because that's what I know. That's what I like to teach. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so the second and then, you know, the final draft doesn't do that. It's not like, hey, there's no tool. It's really tool agnostic. And, and for two reasons. One is, is I've, I've seen really, really good problem solvers that use any one of the tools yeah. that, that I Outline and, and so great that works for them that works for them that works for them and that's fantastic don't don't give that up the, the other thing is that I believe someone's tool set should evolve with their own learning and so maybe you don't start from zero maybe you don't start with a blank sheet of paper maybe you pick up 
you know, 8D or trees or Kettner Trago or one of them, you know, or A3, and you start yeah. from there. I believe you evolve your own practice and your own tools, both, both as you learn, incorporate those lessons into the tools and practices, as well as to close gaps. Like, you know what, we really struggle with this aspect. Why don't we, why don't we sort of double click and expand that part of our problem solving tools to help people through it? Yeah. So I really believe in the, in the build it yourself. Uh, again, you might not start from zero, but build it yourself tool set, make it your own, make it work for you. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, looking more into the future, if you have, you know, we're talking to leaders, right? Because leaders are listening to this podcast. So what kind of, um, what kind of skills or what will help them to, you know, if you look into saying five to, to 10 years ahead of time, what, what should they learn now? Well, uh, boy, there's so many, right? So I, I would say the first way to answer that is what's your gap? And, and then be long-term about that. Um, but as we look at the role of the leader on this, it's, you know, it, it's how they frame problems for their teams to go solve them. It's how they build or architect the system that the team operates in. It's how they coach um, and, and, and develop their team as problem solvers. But, but I'd say, I'll, I'll say there's two things that I think set up the long-term journey for a leader. One is learning to solve the problems that you own and not your team's problems. And, and, and the reason that's valuable is, one, your team automatically gets to grow and develop because they own more problems instead of you going, hey, these ones are important to me and they're big, so I better take them on myself because I'm better than you. Uh, the team owns them and they get to grow from them. The other part of that is that by sort of stepping back and letting the team own their problems, you get to see what their collective problems are, what the patterns are, the systemic problems. Yeah. And now you, you get better at problem discovery and you free up capacity for yourself because you're not jumping into every single problem that happens. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I think is really good for leaders to start on early is coaching. And I'll say one of the more common questions I get is, you know, well, shouldn't we master problem solving before we start to coach? And, and my argument is no. Um, don't, don't wait till you've mastered it. First, I don't even know what mastery of problem solving looks like. I've been pursuing that for 30 years and, and uh, <laughs> you're still you know, on that journey. <laughs> getting closer but I long you know lots to learn and uh and struggle with yeah so so don't wait because I don't know what that finish line looks like but the other really valuable aspect is that when you're coaching you're fully focused on the process now when you when you own a problem you're you're the the process is really just uh what you have to get through to get to an outcome you so care about the outcome more than you care about the process and you kind of really should because that's why you're doing it so you're just your your attention span is a little distracted you're in learning mode about the problem less so about the problem solving process but when you're a coach you're fully curious about the process that that person you're coaching is going through and i believe that the learning rate the pace of learning is even faster for the coach than the coachee. Yeah. Um, and, and so I believe if leaders try to take a step back, focus more on coaching, problem solving, they'll learn at an incredible pace. And uh, 
and, and of course, get better at problem solving themselves as well as being a better leader. I agree. I agree. So uh, my last question, um, and you have a lot of years experience. So if you're looking at yourself and you should give yourself an advice like 20 years ago, what would you tell yourself? Well, I think if I go back 20 years ago, I, I'd, I'd probably my advice would be what could go wrong. Um, and and I, what I mean by that is that it, it's really easy to, to hesitate to make decisions, whether it's about a career change or taking on a new piece of work or just having a conversation that sounds difficult, like uh, whatever that might be or putting yourself out there, or giving a speech, or writing a book, right? It's like, well, you know, I, I, we hesitate, right? And we hesitate out of fear. We hesitate out of, out of lack of confidence or, or distraction, or, or again, what could go wrong? And the answer to the what could go wrong is very little, right? um, you know, and certainly very little that isn't recoverable. Yeah. So you, you, you took a job and it didn't work. Well, okay, take a different job and then build from there. Uh, you know, so you lost a year. Uh, it's a long road. Yeah. Um, there's very little that could go wrong that you can't recover from. And focusing on what can go wrong, and I'm not saying, you know, we're just blind to it, but fo focusing, over-focusing on what could go wrong holds a lot of us back from from our best days, our best decisions, uh, our, our best learnings, our best whatever, our best career, our best us. And so I think, you know, as I look back on all the things that did go wrong and actually, you know, turned out better because that happened, yeah. not just that I learned from it, right? It's just unexpected upsides. Um, I'm amazed at, 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 at how things have turned out in a very good way for me. And I'm, I'm very appreciative of all of that. But that's the thing is that, you know, very few things go so wrong that we can't recover from, from them. So don't, don't fixate on that. Don't, don't let that hold people back. Go forward. Be your best self. Yeah. Okay. Um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where, where can they find you? Well, jflinch.com is my website. Um, got stuff on the book there. I've got my blog and, and of course, a uh, way to contact me. And then, you know, also LinkedIn. It's, um, I'm pretty sure I'm still the only Jamie Flinchball on there. Uh, it's not a, <laughs> not a uh, very common name. And oh. uh, so always happy to hear from people That's on LinkedIn. Cool, cool. And I'll make sure to have the links in the, the notes and also uh, on, on the website. So thank you so much. I think, you know, this is a great conversation. And, and I think it's also to learn that there's a, you know, great opportunity for self-improvement, right? And, and as you just said with the journey, right? Just because something didn't work out or maybe it didn't take you to these expectations, do something else and then create that new journey. Absolutely. And thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the, enjoyed the conversation. If you enjoy this podcast, maybe you'd like to hear more, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure also to check out our website, mindtheinvasion.com. And remember, stay curious and keep learning.